0: This week under Recruitment Flex, we will be at RecFest in Nashville September 13 and 14. Please meet us there. Time blindness accommodations. Man, we are getting so soft. Work love bombing. I know some recruiters who are guilty of this behavior and one way interviews. We're on the same page. It needs to die. TRF starts after this message from our partners at VanHack. Hey there, Shelley. Have you heard about VanHack?
1: Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm?
0: That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally.
1: Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle.
0: Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease.
1: And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech professionals.
0: Tech savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs.
1: VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants.
0: So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today.
1: Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips.
0: VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, have you downloaded Treads yet?
1: No. I know I said I would last week, but it just wasn't a priority. Are you like hooked on it? Is it the new Clubhouse? (laughs) Clubhouse
0: is the perfect example. I was just looking at the data because I was curious, like, what is the traction? So daily users are down 20% from last week and time spent is down 50%. So I'm feeling pretty confident that this is not going to be sticky. This is going to be another Clubhouse. That's a good call out.
1: (laughs) I know. I was one of the early ones in on Clubhouse. I thought, oh, so cool. But it was also during COVID and we were dying to find something new.
0: (laughs) Yes. I think I went on Clubhouse a couple of times and I realized that it wasn't my jam. It was just voices coming from everywhere. It was just a mess. And I remember a lot of people telling me, like, why are you doing a podcast? You should be doing Clubhouse instead. I'm glad we stuck to a podcast, Shelley.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Smart move. Our next fun and exciting event is coming up and I'm so looking forward to this. Fest USA in Nashville. We are going to be on the Disrupt Stage.
0: We haven't confirmed it yet. So you're moving a little bit quick, but there's a good chance that we will be hosting the Disrupt Stage for at least a couple of hours.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, fest. it is a festival atmosphere. In other words, grass under your feet and blue sky over your head. You are not stuck in a stuffy conference center. They have tents set up. And each of them have different themes, like I believe they'll have one on diversity, equity, and inclusion, or the candidate journey, or employer branding. And so each of those stages is hosted by someone, and they introduce the speakers, we have a chance to talk before they come up on stage, and then after they leave the stage, and just a chance to engage the audience as well and get some thoughts and feedback of what the speaker just presented and some of the speakers will do q a so for us hosting the stage will be the ones to keep the energy up in the tent and let's hope it's not 36 degrees out (laughs) because it's like being put in well obviously a tent with no air conditioning how
0: hot is nashville in september i've been to nashville but i went i think in april still pretty hot it's pretty hot, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is yeah. my first rec fest, so I'm very excited to go. I'm mm-hmm. very excited to meet everyone that's going. If you look at the list of people that are presenting or going to be yeah. there, it's really a who's who of the talent acquisition Isn't it though? industry. Uh, if you're a practitioner, this is the event that you have to go to. And I'm calling out to anyone that is going out and wants to meet up, please reach out to us. We want to meet you. So,
1: yeah.
0: Reckfest, Nashville, September 10
1: to 14, I believe. No, it's 13th. two days, September 13th and 14th. And I would suggest that we should organize something for fans of the Recruitment Flex. Let's meet up for drinks the night before. Shelley, you're assuming we have fans. Well, how about a Canadian? So let's do this, search. I'm springing this on you with no warning. Why don't we do Canadians at Fest? Little event the night before. We will do some research here, find a neat place, and anybody who's coming from Canada, come meet up with us in Nashville.
0: I love it. I think that's a brilliant idea. But are we excluding everyone? We have listeners across the world. Um, (laughs) I know. I thought but you were assuming- all about inclusion. And now you're excluding basically <laughs> the rest of the world. Shelly, what's going on? But I do like the ID. So if you are going to fest please reach out to us and we'll figure out something. But we should definitely all meet up.
1: Okay. Yeah. More to come on that.
0: More to come. And Shelly, I've been spending way too much time on TikTok. And there's a video that I came across that I don't know if it made me sad or just really disappointed. I sent it to you, but let me play it to the oh, audience yes. and then let's chat
2: about it. I just got yelled at for asking a very reasonable question. So I'm applying to go somewhere and I just wanted to know, are there accommodations for people who struggle with time blindness and being on time, you know? And then the person I was with interrupted and acted like I was asking something else. And then when we were done, They actually started yelling at me and saying that accommodations for time blindness doesn't exist. And if you struggle with being on time, you'll never be able to get a job, you know, provided you're trying your absolute best to be there. And then they're like, your stupid generation wants to destroy the workplace. And yeah, I think that a culture where workers are just cut off because they struggle with being on time, when there's other solutions that we can look to, I think that just anybody who thinks it's okay to just treat people like that, yeah, that culture needs to be dismantled. And then I asked that person, how can you feel good about yourself upholding this kind of system? And then to think, I'm entitled. No, if people think it's okay to treat others like this, that's entitlement.
0: So Shelly, to give you a little bit more context, this video has been seen over 3.2 million times as of last Sunday. So the TikTok user is Sarah Treffen, and her tag is at chaoticphilosopher. I sent this to a lot of people and they're like, "Uh, how am I going to work with this generation? And I'm like, in all fairness, this is not a generation. This is a subset of workers that I would say, I don't know. They're definitely overly entitled. What was your thought when I sent you this video, Shelley?
1: I couldn't tell if she was on the verge of crying because she honestly felt she was totally entitled to be accommodated. And she wasn't being taken seriously. And the look on her face, either she deserves an Oscar award for her acting skills because I thought she was legit upset, or was it a joke? Like, honestly, it was so unbelievable that anybody would think that they need to be accommodated for being late all the time. Oh, my dear God, it was a new one for me. Okay, so you think this was legit?
0: Yeah, I watched the follow-up video from her where she talks about algorithms and going viral and how disastrous it can be. Because obviously this video went viral and she did not – get the response that she was expecting. The comments were pretty much like, are you kidding me? Exactly what your reaction was, was the reaction from everyone. So it is a legit video and she really feels this way.
1: Okay. Well, wow. it is beyond my comprehension that you could twist what could be a legitimate disorder. If someone is on the spectrum For example, there could be legitimate disorders, but my first reaction was finding a way to appropriate a legitimate disorder and then feel like you are just entitled to say this. It was gobsmacking. It really was. Well, my
0: opinion on it, and it might be a real disorder, I'm not sure, but it's up to the employee to figure out how he or she is going to make this work. It's not to the employer to accommodate. Imagine you're running, say, shift work, and you have no clue when that person is going to show up every day. Like, how do you run a business? It's impossible. And to think companies, to accommodate that. I was listening to Dana White, the president of UFC, and he said one thing, and you might not agree with most of the things he said, but if you're young, and I think he said, if you're a savage, meaning you're just hustling and getting things done, you have such a massive advantage over the generation coming up because when we have people like this complaining about you won't accommodate me being late all the time and crying about it come on give me a break
1: <laughs> oh my god let's i've got another kind of real cool thing that i believe it was trending on twitter yes. where someone had actually posted their compensation history right on their linkedin profile going back 11 years ago when they worked 2 euros an hour in yeah. research right And so I thought, interesting that somebody would list it. I don't know. Is it something you would ever do, do you think?
0: You know what? There was a lot of questions around it to give you an idea of how he broke it down. So right now he works for AT&T and the name is not disclosed. I'm sure we could find him. He put a senior analytics manager, 158K salary. Then he showed the job he had before at Comcast, 104K salary, senior data analyst at 90K, analytics associate at 70K in 2018, on and on research assistant, 28K salary. And The first thing I thought when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, that's maybe a good idea. But Mm -hmm. I can see a lot of companies just cringing at this. Imagine that you're putting your salary on LinkedIn and your coworker is making 128K. And maybe this is the point, right? So I don't know how I really feel about it. I'm like, good for him for trying it. Like, why not? But I'd be very curious what backlash that they maybe got from their company. And was it helpful for recruiters approaching this gentleman for another job thinking, oh, well, the salary is going to be way lower. I'm not going to approach. So they're not wasting any time. I have mixed feelings about this. I guess I could go for it.
1: You brought up something that never occurred to me. And that is the internal discrepancy. Because if companies have made the decision to be transparent about their pay, then this would be a non-event. However, yes. what you brought up is so true. Imagine if a senior analytics manager at AT and T posts theirs and they're being paid one twenty-eight. Yeah. And he's one fifty-eight. Wow! Is this gonna stir up a shitstorm? Oh my god. <laughs> It absolutely would. However, you know what? If you're being transparent, it should go both ways. Yeah. Why not? So it might have that
0: positive effect from a company's perspective. I can see some CEOs cringing when they see this, but oh, shit, we better look at our conversation. I see the benefits. I don't think I'd ever do it. It might be a little gauche, a little bit icky for some people.
1: Well, I think that's a Canadian phenomenon. That we don't like to talk about money. Most cultures do. European cultures, they're just gobsmacked and galled that we don't talk about what you make. It's as matter of fact as saying what your job title is.
0: It is. It's just very
1: Canadian. That, you know, it's, oh, don't talk about money.
0: Good point. Good point. Shelley, let's jump into the news. Canada's unemployment rate rose to 5.4% in June as the economy added 60,000 jobs. So this is actually the highest unemployment that we've seen in over a year at 5.4%. The 60,000 jobs, the good news about it is they were driven by gains in Full-time work, as last month when we talked about, a lot of the gains came from part-time work. That's Mm -hmm. definitely a good sign. What we're seeing, though, is we're adding jobs, but our unemployment rate is going up. And what is causing that, as you're probably aware... We are getting ton of immigration. We've added 1.5 million in the last two years. And I think we're going to double that in the next couple of years as well. It's a lot more workers in the workforce. It seems like the economy is staying really stable across the board. Obviously, we're not seeing the gains that we saw in 2021 and even at the start of 2022. But it's fairly stable, nothing to worry about.
1: Yeah. I think it's another good month. I like that it is full-time work, which is unusual, I think, for the summer. So I've got something for you in the news. And I bet a lot of people don't know this. And if you come to Indeed Future Works, this is where you would find out what is happening with Indeed in different parts of the world. So over in the UK, they have something called Indeed Flex. Not Recruitment Flex don't know if maybe we inspired them somehow. I don't think so. But they are essentially a staffing agency, placing temporary hourly workers. And they introduced something that is interesting, I think is becoming a bit of a trend in the temp staffing industry, is same day pay, which allows temporary workers to get paid the same day that they worked. They can request up to 50% of their daily pay as soon as their shift ends and receive their money right into their bank account within hours of asking for it. It's a product they're calling Flex Earn, which enables staff to immediately access their wages. I've got some thoughts about it, Serge, but I wanted to give you a chance to respond.
0: Yeah. So, just to clarify, it's an association with a third-party provider called Flex Earn as well. So oh, they're, oh, oh, they're oh sorry, sorry, with I misspoke. Okay, tool on that. Yeah. End. But first of all, who knew that Indeed had an online staffing platform for temporary workers that operates in the UK and the US? I had no clue. First of all. I agree. I think they stole Flex. So I've got my lawyers on the <laughs> line and I yeah, good luck. After indeed. Yeah. Our <laughs> bank accounts are a little bit different between myself and mm-hmm. indeed. So I probably won't win that one. Yeah. You know what? One of the interesting thing in this article is the whole trend of same day pay. And I'm like, it's about time. Why can't we pay people on the day that they've done the work, especially for temporary workers that are working on a contingent basis? I see no reason why if we have the technology, we have the ability to do it. Why do people need to wait for their pay? Like these are generally, and I'm maybe making a wrong assumption, probably not high paying roles. Maybe some are. But it gives me a security blanket if my car breaks down or there's an unexpected medical emergency in the U.S. and I need dollars right away. It's a great tool to leverage, right? It's all about personal accountability and responsibilities. If it's something that works for the majority of the people, I'm a big supporter of same day pay. What's your thought, Shelly?
1: I just want to point out that you can only access 50%. Yeah of your wage. And there's very good reason for that. Because okay. it's almost working like for cash. And I think there are some real consequences with same-day pay. Okay. I understand why from a worker's perspective they would want access because for some people it can mean whether or not you eat that day. Never mind having enough money to cover your rent. But I worry that there's the consequences of somebody who does this on a daily, you get to the end of the month and the money's gone. Well, you have 50%, but is it before tax? And then the 50% that's left has the tax removed from it? Do you know what I mean?
0: No, from the other platforms that I've seen is the tax and everything's calculated. This would be the actual wage that you're getting on that particular day. And I know that can fluctuate and there must be some adjustments depending on the hours you work and depending on how tax is calculated in your particular country. So what are you saying the risk is here? Just people mismanaging this money? That's the risk in your mind?
1: I would say the majority of people who would want to be paid on the same day are already at risk. They're not financially very savvy. They need the money. It's a matter of survival. Part of it's good. Part of it concerns me because you'll never get off the hamster wheel. Just like payday loans. Once you get into that cycle, you will always run short.
0: There's got to be some accountability as an individual to do the right things. Shelly, I want to jump into the tip Tip of the the week. week.
1: Okay. I was thinking about something called evergreen job postings. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of industries and companies where as long as you are in business, you will always be hiring for a certain skill. So for example, if you're a construction company, you're always going to be looking for laborers. There'll be people that come and go. It's almost built in that people don't stay long-term or if you want to be more optimistic, they're promoted. Now, I would recommend generally every 90 days to rewrite that job ad or if you're thinking more efficiently, write four at the beginning of the year and then every 90 days, just simply put up something that is refreshed, reworded rethought about, and again, it doesn't have to take a whole ton of time because we've got our friends over at ChatGPT. Just say, rewrite this and make it sound a little more appealing. That's my recommendation for evergreen job postings. Take it down every 90 days and put it back up again. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, I think evergreen job postings are the perfect role to do some A-B testing. So to your point, have different versions that you can test and see what are you getting the best results because what else see with evergreen job posting is literally the same posting that's running for a year. It's a couple of factors when it comes to job boards that we have to be concerned about. Obviously, if a job seeker comes on a job board and sees the job has been posted for 90 days, even 31 days, the longer the job posting it is, the less traction that job is going to get generally on most job boards. There's exceptions. So that's one thing to be conscious about. The other thing, if you're reposting jobs, say, on Indeed, often... And there's no changes indeed will flag that and possibly put you in a position that your job is not showing up anywhere so you got to be conscious of those two things I really don't run evergreen jobs as per se, it's the same job description and don't change it. I still change the jobs frequently. And for me, it's really an A-B testing of different wording. Some job ads, I will highly focus on the benefits or key benefits to see what is attracting that particular job seeker. And it might be completely different, right? The evergreen jobs that I've recruited for have been drivers in the past. And doing a ton of testing of what are the trigger points? Is it Be at home every night. That was one that I got a lot of results for. Mm -hmm. But sometimes this was the benefits, right? Better help, better dental. It really changed depending on what that driver was focused on. Did they Mm -hmm. have a family? Did they want to be at home? Basically, the advice I would give here, leverage evergreen postings and change them up and look at the results that you're getting from the different variations. And if you're getting really good results from one variation, focus on that one and you can still tweak it in the future, right? Keep testing different ones to see what you get the best traction. Just posting a job forever is debt. Like you will not bad idea. quality bad <laughs> idea overall. So mm-hmm. don't do it. Do some changes. I think that's great advice, Shelly. Excellent. Thanks, Let's sir. Jump Can into you. the recruiting insights. All right. And I want to talk about AI. So AI has been one of the things, especially with chat GPT and generative AI. It's kind of confused what AI is, right? For a lot of people. AI has been leveraged in the recruitment space for five, six years with video interviewing, with also assessments. It's been leveraged in multiple ways. But you know what job seekers are telling us? A recent Pew Research Center survey that pulled around 11,000 people about their attitudes towards algorithms in the workplace and around two-thirds said they wouldn't want to apply for a role if AI was used to make a hiring decision, citing worries about systematic bias and the absence of personal touch. Shelley, let's hmm. talk about that. A
2: okay. lot of
0: job seekers are very concerned about AI and I am seeing a lot of career coaches leveraging that fear to get business, like creating new resumes that match algorithms. I can still tell you to this day I feel confident that at least 90% of companies are not leveraging AI in any way when it comes to looking at your profile and your resume. It is a physical person, but we're starting to see that shift pretty dramatically. I just noticed yesterday that when you apply for a job on ADP now, there's actually a disclaimer saying, do you consent to have AI look at your resume and match it with the job description. And if you say no, all it's going to say on the recruiter side is not available. My first thought when I saw that was, well, would I choose it or would I not? And then think about the recruiter. If you're not seeing that matching score on the other end, do you still look at that candidate? I think there is a lot of concern from a lot of people thinking that AI is going to cause even more bias. True or false, I'm not exactly sure yet. And they feel that they're losing the human element when it comes to hiring. I have a lot of thoughts on this too, Shelly, but first of mm-hmm. all, it's your thoughts.
1: It feels to me like there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. What exactly is AI doing? And I think it's a bit of a fear tactic, quite honestly. I don't know about you, Serge, but I can only think of maybe a handful of situations or circumstances where AI would be used in, as this was put, the final hiring decision. It's not. Well, 99% of the time, it is not. It's a bit of trying to confuse the market because this is not happening. Not in the final hiring decision. Maybe ADP has some word matching. But resume parsing has been around since 1990, meaning that it highlights words in the resume. That's an algorithm. That is not artificial intelligence. Honestly, it's the very, very basic things like we asked for somebody who has an electrical engineering degree. Does that word exist on your resume? Yes. Great. You just moved into the list. That is not artificial intelligence. So I'm concerned that there's a bit of hype and misunderstanding about what exactly this is. Because I can't think of any reason why you would want AI to make the final hiring decision. What am I missing here, search? I don't get it. Well,
0: I want to dig in on a couple of things you said, looking at that ADP situation and doing a little bit of research, it's very much skill word searching, right? And there is an AI element that is combining and doing that matching, but there is very sophisticated platform that go way (laughs) deeper than just keyword matching. They actually look at your resume and say you're a software developer and you work on React Native. And it automatically knows that okay, if you're working React Native, you probably know Node as well. And it's smart enough to be able to make those determinations and assign a score that matches to the core of the job description. And there's definitely some AI elements. Your point about the final decision, I think we can all agree that I have never heard of any company leveraging AI to make any final hiring decision. It's probably happening somewhere, right? There's a tech company somewhere in Silicon Valley, but I think it's pretty rare overall. But I think the point too is maybe it's not the final hiring decisions, but we're seeing it earlier top of the funnel. And if candidates are moving forward because of an AI matching to that final step, AI might have helped them. Shelly, I am not nervous about AI in hiring. Mm -hmm. I am actually excited about it because let's face it, we have been really bad at recruiting. We are not in a better position than we were 20 years ago, even though we've got tons more technology, more process, more experts. In reality, the candidate experience hasn't improved dramatically over that time. I would say it's gone the other way, right? Right. If AI can work and make better hiring decisions than we can, I am 100% on board. Let the machines take over. I'm ready to bow down to my digital overlord, AI.
1: Okay, so I think the perfect example of where AI has taken over to the point of making the final decision is our friends over at Amazon. And hiring for their warehouses. There you go. And we all know how that has turned out. They have literally exhausted the entire available labor workforce in two major U.S. cities. So, Amazon, how about you chime in and tell us how that's going?
0: Well, they're still (laughs) running. They still have warehouses, right?
1: Yeah, but they're going to have to move them because there's no one that will work for them. And their entire hiring experience is automated. I don't know if it's AI, but they profile. In other words, here's our most successful employees where they worked and what they did. So to think that humans are predictable and linear is ridiculous. Just because somebody went or did a particular job before, that means you're going to be really good at, as a warehouse worker now it's ludicrous. Obviously, Amazon has proven that is a recipe for disaster.
0: Well, is it now? Because how much AI is being leveraged? Do you have a pulse? Do you want to work these shifts? You're hired. You just said the labor force has been exhausted. So like, how much in-depth AI, do you need to make a hiring decision for someone that's going to work in hiring decisions. Yeah, it's very much Mm -hmm. like anyone that is looking for a job will get a job unless they have criminal records or something that pops up. I don't know if AI is being leveraged in that case, but it's definitely automated for sure what Amazon is doing.
1: Okay, moving on to our next topic. Serge. have you ever heard of the term love bombing? Isn't that what you do to me all the time? Yes, of course, Serge. I know we always get further when we are complimentary and wrapping a lot of love around people. So there's something now that is called work love bombing. And when I dug deeper into this, it's something we have talked about several times. It really comes down to recruiters Who are using kind of a very similar type of behavior on candidates or job seekers where we are pumping their tires, like, oh, you're perfect for this job, but is our work environment good for you? The idea of love bombing a job candidate is really about talking them into it flattery, compliments, lots of texts and emails. And then they get into the job. And what happens? We know how that story ends. It's like walking in the front door and you can hear echoes because there's nobody there. Why did the love stop? And so it's something that we would highly discourage.
0: Well, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice, right, as recruiters. And I thought it was interesting reading this article because I think we've all been guilty of it. We're overly optimistic in life in general, me being the exception of that. We're very sales focused. We love the thrill of closing the deal. And this particular case, closing the deal is getting that candidate to join the company. I do not blame recruiters for doing this, but I think this is more an exercise in self-awareness. As recruiters, sometimes we get caught in this. It's a couple of reasons. We find a really good candidate and we don't have a big pool of those particular candidates. So sometimes, not on purpose, but you are going to overemphasize the culture, how great it is to work there, and sometimes... That's not the right. Well, not sometimes all the time. That's not the right thing for the candidate, because I believe recruitment is as much about opting in and opting out, right? Create the real environment of how that person is going to be successful, what it looks like on a daily basis. And a lot of people are going to jump in and think that is the place I want to work. At the same time, there's a lot of people that will say, Yeah, no, I don't think I want to do that. And believe me, in the long run, that saves a ton of time for the job seeker, for the company. So you bring in someone that when they come into the environment and it's like, Shit, what did I do? They're going to leave within three months. They're going to leave within six months. Now you get to recruit this role again. It costs the company tons of money and it really, hurts the candidate in the long run because you see that gap of two months at a company on your resume. It's not helping anyone. I guess recruiters, I get it. And Mm -hmm. I love bomb whoever I was courting and I've done the same for candidates, but let's set the expectation of what the reality is to the job seeker. And I think the biggest challenge for a recruiter here is setting the proper expectation to the hiring manager, because if the hiring manager knows the facts, understands the reality of the market, you're not going to have to love bomb as much just to get him a certain amount of candidates. So that's my thoughts Mm -hmm. on it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think it could be a sign of past Mm -hmm. trauma, where you had a great candidate, you knew that they were absolutely what the organization was looking for, and you lost them. It's almost like, I'm not going to let that happen again. And as a recruiter, when you do find that person who's just like, oh, my God, this is exactly who I was looking for, and I'm not going to lose them again, versus the psychological manipulation of, I guess, the true definition of love bombing, where, you know, the person is just like grand gestures and lots of compliments with the intention of manipulating that person into feeling like you owe me, right? Yeah, they're a little different.
0: I was reading the description in the article about love bombing. So they lavish flattery and compliments. Make mm-hmm. it clear you're the one. You've only met each other a few days ago, but the hours since have been a whirlwind of attention and promises. And I'm like, that's Shelly.
1: That is <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> they
0: lavish flattery and compliments. <laughs> that is Shelly. You are a love But I do it mama. over an
1: extended period of time. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: So Shelley, I want to jump into the next recruiting insight and it's a little bit of a Mia culpa for me because I have to admit that you have been so right and so many of us in the industry have been wrong. And this comes to video interviewing. In our first episodes, we had fights that we were going to start crying. Like it it was intense. (laughs) Not quite. Well, maybe not crying, but I was very much pro one way video interviewing and you were very dead set against it. And I think time has told us that you were right. And one way video interviewing Needs to die. There was a really interesting article in Protocol, the dystopia created by video interviewing. And I was just reading through it and I'm like, yeah, shit, this is not good. So, what we have done is I love how they describe it. It's like corporate Tinder give people an automated video interview, guiding the candidates through a conversation with their computer screen. The applicant stares at the webcam distortion of their face, instructed to emote normally like they would if speaking with an actual person. They try to explain why they want the job and then sends the information back to the abyss. Often without being able to review their video first, the software will then produce a report and likely a ranking that will be used to determine if they get an interview with an actual person. What a shitty experience. You are so right but before we go into what your thoughts are around it, I do want to call out a business idea that I do have. Okay. So I'm thinking for those entrepreneurs out there that are on OnlyFans or Pornhub, this <laughs> is a great new category that can be leveraged. So I was you saying- You
1: know, tits are out, dicks are out.
0: So maybe you create a new category on Pornhub of one-way video interviewing, and it's actually a way to make money with these videos. What's your thought, Shelly? First of all, I'm joking on that, obviously. But
1: Okay, good. I'm glad you qualified that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what uh, is your thought? Do you want to go on a rant of saying, yeah, I was right, Serge?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for that, because there's been a very, very few things that I've dug my heels in even in the face of some of the influencers in the TA community who all told me like, I'm just not getting it. It's just wrong. But when I saw this article, the best analogy was just that we've created Tinder for recruiting teams or hiring managers. Because I said from the beginning, even if you recorded a five minute video, who's watching them? Are they watching the first three seconds and swiping to the next one? Because if you've invited a few hundred people, nobody is going to sit and watch that many one-way video interviews. It is creepy. It is unnatural. I'm glad that it is beginning to fade from popularity, the one-way video interview.
0: There's two sides to it, right? There is the job seeker side, which I think we can all agree is a bad experience overall. The one benefit, and I talked oh, I know about the quite a bit, was the ability uh, what to record say. when you want it. That is I'm still not- the only benefit. Uh, but aside from everything else, it's just a horrible experience. We're on that same page. When it comes to the employer, I saw tons of benefits initially, right? But then reality hit me. So- how is it saving me time to go through a hundred resumes? And I came to the same conclusion. I'm like 22nd in, oh, this person annoys me. I click to the next one. And a lot of these companies, including a couple that we've had on the show, talk about reducing biases with video. I think it does completely the opposite. Now that I've seen it more in depth, it creates a ton of of bias. One-way video interviewing needs to die. And it is dying. I'm seeing it first and I think we're over it. But right. I do like my idea of a new category on Pornhub called one-way video
1: interviewing. <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. So thanks for that. It is rather vindicating to hear that. I appreciate that because let's find that episode from our first season where you guys all ganged up on me. No. It, it, you it, no. and... You Chad and cheese? No, Chad was the same way. Chad was just like, why don't you get it, Shelly? Like,
0: anyways. Yeah, well, Chad probably won't admit he was wrong, but I will. So there you okay. go. So, Shelly, yes, another great episode. Thank Excited you. for breakfast. It was. Please, anyone that's going, send us a personal LinkedIn message or go to the website. The therecruitmentflex.com. There is a contact section. Let us know there. Always great to see you again, Shelly. And thank you to the audience for listening.
1: See you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today.
1: txt.com. Mention the Recruitment Flex and get 10% off annual plans.
2: This is the last stop on this train. Everyone, please leave the train. Thank you for riding with MTA New York City Transit. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit